Miracy. It was proclaimed throughout the kingdom of Granada that the king had decided to marry. The news was first told to the court barber, then to the night watchman, and then to the oldest woman in the city. The barber told all his customers, who then told all their friends. The night watchman, in crying the hour, proclaimed the news in a loud voice, so that all the maidens were kept awake by thinking of the news. By day, the old women constantly reminded the young that the king had decided to marry. The question was posed, how will the king choose a wife? The barber replied, to find a worthy woman, I'm afraid I shall have great trouble. What, you, exclaimed all of them? What have you got to do with providing the king a wife? I am the only man permitted to touch the royal features, said he. And what's more, I have a magic mirror. If any woman who's not thoroughly good looks into the mirror, the blemishes on her character will appear in as many spots on its glossy surface. Hi, I'm Lisa Bloom, the story coach, and you're listening to Once Upon a Business. In each episode, we'll explore a story, a fairy tale, folk tale, or traditional story, so that we can discover the amazing lessons relevant for business and for entrepreneurs. The people asked the barber, is looking into this mirror one of the conditions to marry the king? It is the only condition, replied the barber, placing his thumbs in the armholes of his waistcoat and looking very wise. Is there no limit as to age, they again inquired. Any woman from 18 years upwards is eligible, said the possessor of the mirror. Then you will have every woman in Granada claiming the right to be queen, all exclaimed. But they will have to justify their claim, said he. Each woman will have to gaze into the mirror with me by her side. And so the one condition imposed on those who wanted to become Queen of Granada was made known. Many laughed, as may naturally be supposed, but strange to say, no woman came forward to the barber to have a look into the mirror. Days and weeks went by, and the king was no closer to getting a wife. Some ladies would try to convince their friends to go before the mirror, but none seemed willing to take the step. The king, you should know, was a very handsome man and was beloved by all his subjects for his many virtues. Therefore, it was surprising that none of the lovely ladies who attended court should try to become his wife. Many excuses and explanations were given. Some were already engaged to be married. Others claimed to be too proud to enter the barber's shop. Still others assured their friends that they had decided it would be better to stay single. It was soon noticed that no man in Granada would marry since until the king was married, it would not be at all appropriate for them to think of marrying. Though the real problem was that no ladies were coming forward to look into the mirror. The fathers of families were much annoyed at the apparent lack of ambition in their daughters, while the mothers were strangely silent on the matter. Every morning, the king would ask the barber if any young lady had come forward to look into the mirror, but the answer was always the same, that many watched the barber shop to see if others went inside, but none had ventured in herself. Ah, Granada, Granada, exclaimed the king, is there no maiden in this land willing to offer herself to be the bride of the king? Kings in other lands have no trouble getting married. Why is this happening to me? 
Barber shouted the king, you shall get me a wife as bright as the day, as pure as dew, and as good as gold, one who shall not be afraid to look into your magic mirror. Your majesty, replied the barber, there is one possibility. The shepherdess on the mountainside may brave the magic power of the mirror, but would you marry such a lowly one? Bid her to come, answered the king. In the presence of my assembled court, let the gentle shepherdess look into the mirror, after you have told her of the risk of doing so. Soon the barber had brought the shepherdess to court. It was proclaimed throughout the city that a trial was going to be made, and so the royal hall was soon filled with all the grand ladies and knights of the king's household. When the shepherdess entered the royal presence, she felt very shy at being surrounded by so much grandeur. The king was very pleased with her appearance and received her kindly, telling her that if she desired to be his wife, she would have to gaze into the magic mirror. If she had done anything which was not consistent with a good and virtuous character, the mirror would show as many stains on its surface as there might be blemishes on her past. Sir, replied the maiden, everyone makes mistakes and I am no different. I've made mistakes with my flock, but I think they must forgive me because every day they let me take care of them. And if they sense danger, they come to me for protection. I love my sheep and do my best for them. Truly, I have no ambition to become queen, but I'm not afraid to look into that magic mirror. Saying this, she walked up to the mirror and gazed into it. The court ladies surrounded her. When they saw that the magic mirror showed no stains on its surface, they snatched it from her, passing the mirror from one to another. They exclaimed, look, there's no magic in this mirror. A trick has been put on us. But the king said, no, ladies, you only have yourselves to thank. For had you been as confident as the shepherdess, who is going to be my queen, you would not have dreaded looking into the mirror. I discovered this story as I was preparing to do work in Spain, and I always love to find stories that are local. In the end, I didn't tell the story as part of my keynote address, but I enjoyed it, so I've kept it and told it at other times. The most interesting character in the story is that of the barber. It seems strange that he should have so much power over the future of the kingdom. It reminds me of the role of the jester in stories, the only person who dares to tell the king the truth and always lives with the balance of humor, joviality, and the real threat of going a little too far and maybe losing his head. In this story, it's the barber. He alone is allowed to touch the royal features and he has the magic mirror so he gets to decide how the royal match should be made. There's a lot of trust put in the hands of the barber, and ultimately, that trust seems well-placed. I think it begs the question in business, who do we trust? How do we figure out the people who will advise us well versus those that may lead us down the wrong path? Personally, I've found it hard to know who I can trust. My nature is to trust almost everyone, and I've learned that this is not always wise. Actually, I've learned the hard way. A few years ago, I had a service provider that really betrayed my trust. I don't think that it was malicious. It was more the result of mistakes being made that were not identified on time and a lack of skill or expertise with certain details of my business. It cost me a huge amount of time, hassle, and money, and I was really burned by it. The big lesson for me was not to blindly trust someone just because of their resume or how nice they are, but to do more due diligence to understand if they really can do the job. It's taken me a while and a very different process to learn how to find people I can trust in my business. So back to the story. 
The magic mirror is put in place, and no one wants to look at it. It's interesting how mirrors show up in so many different stories. Mirror, mirror on the wall. The role of the mirror is usually to reflect back beauty and truth, our two old friends in the world of story. But in this story, the mirror is also tasked to reflect back perfection. And none of the women of the court or the country are prepared to face the mirror and see what they know to be true, that they're not perfect. They made excuses, some even lying, for why they didn't want to look into the mirror. They even tried to get others to do it. They didn't want to be exposed. They wanted to protect their status and their secrets. But they were perfectly willing to expose someone else. How many times have we all seen business leaders eager to blame everyone else for the problems or failures in their own company, but rarely brave enough to look in the mirror themselves? The idea of owning up to imperfection feels dangerous, and perhaps even to ourselves, it's hard to admit that we may not live up to the image we present to others. And perhaps even to ourselves, it's easier to hide away and pretend that we are everything we seem to be. We can build a facade of perfection and yet be harsh and judgmental to ourselves and others when the flaws become visible. This facade of perfection is quite common in business and with entrepreneurs, and yet it can be so toxic. It's kind of a vicious cycle. We judge ourselves against a false perception of others and then berate ourselves for not being as perfect and then hide and become frightened of revealing who we really are. I think of the Facebook lives that people live. I remember one Saturday morning, my kids were small, they were irritable, they were difficult. They'd woken too early and they were demanding. By mid-morning, I was exhausted and pulling my hair out trying to figure out what to do with them. I remember the next day seeing someone on Facebook describe their perfect Saturday with their adorable children, their cappuccino and newspaper, their yoga practice and their blessed life. At first I felt awful. Like there has to be something wrong with me. It took me time to realize that it's all a facade. Similarly, the entrepreneur who speaks of their overnight success, and then I discover the 10 years that it took them to create that night. In the story, ultimately, it's the woman who decides to be vulnerable because she knows that she is imperfect. Without comparison to others, she doesn't care or notice the other women. She steps to the mirror, and it reflects back an image without flaw. It's interesting that the king complains to the barber, why is this happening to me? This perspective is ironic when clearly it's not just happening to him. There are no weddings at all across the kingdom because of this. It speaks to how we so often see everything through the lens of our own perspective. And this can be incredibly limiting and lead to a kind of catastrophizing of normal situations. As a business owner, we need to be able to see things from multiple perspectives the perspective of our teams, our followers, and most importantly, the perspective of our clients. Without having the client's perspective in mind, it's impossible to serve them well. This story speaks to an era when women were judged by their looks and their virtue. It's not that all people were judged in this way, but specifically women. A man was revered for his adventures where virtue is concerned, but women were required to be pure. I wish I could say that these days are long gone. There are still different standards and expectations for women in business. And so while I would love to say that this story is just a sign of the times, it's a poignant reminder to us all that there's still much work to be done when it comes to equal opportunity and equal consideration. 
Last year, when I published my last book, The Story Advantage, I made the decision to author it under the name L.J. Bloom instead of Lisa Bloom. Many people asked me why, and some thought I was crazy when I told them. You see, if you look at the top 50 business books that sit on every entrepreneur and every CEO's shelf, how many of them are identifiably written by women? Not so many. I wanted to give my book a chance to get into the hands of many people and not to be automatically ruled out because of the bias that still exists in the business world. The final sentence of the story is when the king says, Ladies, you only have yourselves to thank for had you been as confident as this shepherdess who is going to be my queen, you would not have dreaded looking into the mirror. Well, I want to reclaim the end of this story. We as businesswomen have ourselves to thank for making amazing strides in vulnerability, emotional courage, and diversity in the workplace, which thankfully now research is proving to be a clear driver of revenue, relationships, and success. And yes, we have ourselves to thank for that. I'm Lisa Bloom, and you've been listening to Once Upon a Business. You can find out more about me at story-coach.com. That's story-coach.com. Once Upon a Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Course Lab. This episode of Once Upon a Business was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson and Melissa Deal assembled the episode. Danny Innie is our executive producer. Post-production was by Post Office Sound. So you don't miss the episodes that are coming up on Once Upon a Business. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It really does help us out. Thank you. We'll see you next time.